0: Welcome to Level Up. I'm Sherelle and I'm Danny. And this is the podcast where we talk about health, fitness, and mindset. Minimalist training. Get better results with
1: less work. Ooh, clickbait. <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds very clickbaity, but it is, but it's also true. Yeah. And we're gonna talk a little bit about it today because I know both Danny and I are very big on less is more, making the most out of the time that you're spending in the gym and, you know, doing the least but getting the most results. Like, it does sound too good to be true, but it's not. And we've both lived, like, experiences personally of being able to play this out physically with ourselves, but then also with like our clients and you know, being able to prove results with that, that you don't have to spend hours in the gym every day to get a certain result. In fact, most people shouldn't because it can often hinder their progress too. So we're gonna talk a little bit today about some of the science behind it, but then also some strategies that both Danny and I use with our own training and then also clients.
0: Because you hear it all the time, I don't have time, I don't have time, you know, I'll start in the new year, you guys are lucky it's the new year already, but things like that, and it's like, well, okay, maybe these guys actually aren't making an excuse, where a lot of the times it is an excuse, Mm. but some people actually think that to get really good results, it does take more time than what you need, Mm. so that's why we are going to tell you and share some tips on how to get some great results, but as you said, without spending all those time that time in the gym, without overdoing it to the point of, you know, poor recovery and injuries. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know where the stigma came from where you just have to thrash yourself for hours on end. Maybe people just didn't know the little nuances in correct training and nutrition and mm. recovery. I'm not sure, but there is a lapse in education around it. And yeah. one of the most common excuses are, oh, I don't have time, so... Yeah. After you listen to this, there's going to be no more excuse.
1: Yeah, totally. And look, I, I don't know if you've ever done anything about in sales or working with people, like that is one of the most common excuses in the world to do anything. Like the, it's one of the most prevalent excuses that people use when they don't do something, regardless if it's like work-related, business, like nutrition, exercise, relationships, like you name it, the excuses, I don't have time. And I can guarantee you, it's so cliche, but everyone has the exact same amount of hours in a day they're just using it differently right and that's the same with training right you can spend three hours in the gym but you can also just train smarter and spend 30 to 45 minutes in the gym and get the same if not a better result so if you can spend less time doing something and get the same or a better result why the hell wouldn't you like unless you just love wasting time in the gym and i definitely do sometimes yeah people (laughs) go for a nice chat yeah but like you know, it's 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 about training smarter, not harder. And we've been, like, honestly flogging a dead horse with saying this over the years. But it is so true, and science supports it, that you don't have to spend hours doing something. And the whole, I don't have time, like, by the end of it, you will not think that. Like, you 100% have time. You're just not making the time to get the minimum effective dose in, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today because I 100%, you can tell in my voice. I'm sick of that excuse. I can <laughs> tell. But I'm
0: also here now being the voice for the people, well you don't have kids, you don't work shift work anymore, I'm exhausted, I'm putting food on the table. We understand everyone's circumstances. So, okay, it's about finding your health and wellness routine that can slot Mm. into your priorities, Mm -hmm. okay? So we're not just here to paint the same picture for everyone, because someone might be able to spend two hours in the gym, someone might have 20 minutes a day, someone might have 10 minutes just Mm. to do little bits and pieces at home, like, It's about finding the time frame that suits
1: your life and Mm. it's going to look different for you. Yes. Thanks for being the yin to my yang for that. (laughs) um, (laughs) Always. (laughs) But yeah, I think like whatever time you've got, you know, something's better than nothing if you are really time poor. So even if it's like a a just five minutes, do you know what I mean? Like, and we're really going to talk about today is that you don't need a hell of a lot to maintain where you're at, especially if you're going through busy periods because... Yeah, we just, like, I think people find what works. It's like, oh, I'll train four or five days a week for an hour and a half, whatever. They find this thing and then they feel like they've got to live by that for the rest of their life. And mm. it's like, why would you think that? You know, like, as you evolve and change and your body changes and your needs change and your commitments change and your values change, like, so should your schedules and routines. Like, I don't have the same morning routine that I had when I was shift working, right? And the same's true now. So it's about understanding that, you know, you can change things. In fact, you should change things and you shouldn't fear change. And, you know, we'll share some stories later on, but every lesson, right, repeated until it's learnt. And I've had multiple injuries that have completely changed the, tra- the way that I train in the gym to adopt very much a less is more approach. And I've learned a lot from that and I've completely evolved the way that I train as a result and being able to learn that you can get away with doing not much. Particularly if you've built the
0: foundation. Yeah. I mean,
1: look, we've sort of earned
0: that right. Mm. But then also as newbie gains, and we've spoken about that before, like if you're just starting, you're going to feel doms after not much at all. Mm. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned athlete, you know, you can get away with doing a lot less. There is that middle ground, Mm. but, you know, and you're going to share the science around it um, as well, but... People just don't like change. So people have the mindset, well, I've been training five times a week for the past five years. Mm. If I can't do my five days, I'm just gonna write it off, call it a a new year, see out the year doing nothing, and then start back again when I can go back to that extreme. And that's Mm. where people just go through (laughs) that high and low. And it's like, well, be okay with the idea of changing and being a bit flexible because rigidity isn't always superior to Mm. flexibility. Rigidity means that you're actually scared to change or you just, you don't know how to change. Mm. So I love that we have changed so much in the past few years since our bodybuilding days. Like we're flexible now. We're still getting the job done. We're still getting our results, but then we're able to put energy into business, relationships, all other areas that, were missing when we were so rigid. Yeah. yeah. Like obviously our goal is not to get on stage and be super, super, super lean. That's not realistic. Our goals changed. Then we learned how to become more flexible because Mm. we actually learned about training and nutrition further to the point of just following something super rigid. So Mm. hats off to people who are flexible
1: because that's actually harder than being rigid for a lot of people. Being flexible and adaptable is way harder than being restrictive and disciplined. Like. People are really good at going all in and being like, I'm doing this 100% or all the way out. Where it's like, if I can't do it 100% and can't get it perfect, I do nothing. Exactly. All or nothing. It's the mindset that honestly stops people from making progress altogether. Because they don't have. they are not practicing consistency. They Mm. can't be consistent. And a lot of people see extremes as something to be proud of and put a, you know really reinforce that it's a badge of honor to be so disciplined towards something like a comp prep or a show or a race or a marathon and yeah like it is you know it's it's impressive but show me what you do afterwards yeah like the only thing that's impressive is if you default to the mean which is still good you know but a lot of people they they go all in and then when they they're not fulfilled by this scary target that has repercussions if they're not extreme and rigid they're deflated and they're not doing anything and they feel worthless and their self-esteem goes down so you've got to constantly find that balance and I think stepping away from competing that was probably the best thing that I did for that right like it's it's hard to practice that when you can't you know like if you weren't disciplined you're getting on stage in front of thousands and thousands of people the repercussions are pretty big right so Getting away from that and learning what balance was, was hard, it was weird, it was uncomfortable. It was like, oh, so like, I don't kill myself or like for six months of the year, I can just be and improve my health and well-being, And yeah, like have this minimalist (laughs) approach, right? Where less is more and you can ease into things and you can have periods off and you don't need to feel guilty for having a week off the gym. Like all these things, we need to normalize them because ideally we want to be training until, I want to be training until I'm like 70. Is that it? Come oh, on, one.
0: maybe. Okay, you're gonna live to a hundred. You better not leave me okay. early.
1: Okay, well, I'm <laughs> gonna be training for the rest of my life. <laughs> But what that looks like is gonna be different. Yeah. So if it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Yeah. And I think you can sprint early and hard and fast in your 20s, you can, because you've got the recovery and the hormone profile of like an adolescent, let's be honest. Mm. But as you get older, you've just gotta be smarter and wiser with your time. And as you said, some people have family commitments, they've got study commitments, they've got career commitments and their body is just not the top priority, like how they look, you know, they they wanna move and preserve energy and feel good and have vitality and all that, which makes us live longer in the end. So we've all got time because we're gonna live longer as a result of looking after our bodies. So it's important that we find an approach that we can default to when things get busy or things feel hard.
0: Yeah, and I've noticed in some people, and it probably comes from a place of insecurity Mm. or, you know, they want validation. People make tasks look, seem and feel a lot harder than needed. Oh, totally. My, I do not look at that person and maybe this is just my personality. I don't go, wow, well done. I go, wow, well done to people that make hard things look easy. Mm. But you, I still come across people and they literally just thrive off doing things the hard do way. Do you have In an example, example of what you mean? No, oh. I can't probably say it without people knowing who they are, but, like, uh, it's hard... Like, physically? Is that what you're talking about? For example, like... And this isn't someone that I know, but, for example, people might go to the gym at 11pm just to say, yeah, yeah. I train at night. Or I wake up at 2am and and train, where Mm. they actually do have time in the middle of the day. But they want to tell that story. Or, I, you know, I had to physically do this and it was so hard. And mm. I think a lot of it is just the, v- the verbal aspect of yeah. it. Telling people how hard it was. Yep. Yeah, business is so stressful, this and that. They just go, they really embody their story. Mm. I mean, and it's not about pushing that to the side and pretending that everything's sunshine and rainbows when it's not, but yeah. like, don't put that on other people. Cause yep. then they'll go, wow, well done. Yeah, it does look really hard. Wow, I can't believe you do that. Mm-mm. I don't know. It's just a part of me that's like, no, you're doing it wrong because you're giving it Should more negative energy. Yeah. Yeah, okay, we all do really hard things, but don't add fuel to that fire of your story about how hard it was. Mm. And maybe question why. Do you want that praise? Do you want that validation? Do you love doing things things the hard way? Mm. Why wouldn't you just do it the easy way? You know, get your results the mm. easy way. Yep. Spend a less amount of time in the gym at a time that you like training, if you yeah. have that flexibility, mm. then go and do something else to get the same results yeah. rather than putting all that time and energy to stretch it out and make it really hard just so one person who actually doesn't care can say, well
1: done. Mm. You so know what true. I mean? Have you heard of 75 hard? Yeah. <laughs> all I could think about yeah. was that when you are doing that. And it's like, t- honestly, like, girl mass, right? Like, do we have to do these intense, extreme diets and approaches and challenges and and things. And that's what I was saying is like, it's thrilling to take on hard things. It feels thrilling, right? But when you know this, you're like, oh, they're just doing that because it feels good to take on something that feels big and scary and out of their reach. Yeah. And again, it's like there's a punishment if you don't stick to it, which is not what we want, right? Like if we're no. in this for the long run with the aim of consistency and gradual improvement, like we want things to feel manageable and easy, right? That's the science of habit building. If it feels too hard and we don't feel competent in getting the outcome, then we often won't stick to it. Like, and we won't stick to the habit and we'll just fall back down and go back to our old ways. And this is why most people struggle with their fitness journey. Like whenever, I don't know if you do the same, but whenever I get um, a new client and I'm like talking to them, I'm like, what's the minimum amount that you could stick to? And yeah. I'm like, and they're like five days. And I'm like, okay, so how many are you doing at the moment? They're like, none. And I'm yeah. like, okay, so you want to increase 500%? It's probably not necessary. Like, I know you want to, but like, you don't need to. So why would we do that? Like, you're not going to do it. You're setting yourself up for failure. So why don't we just start 100%? Like, what does one or two sessions feel like a week? And they're like, oh, I could totally do that. I'm like, great. So there's no reason why you can't. It's no excuses that get in the way. You can fit this in. You can do it then. Great. We build momentum. We build confidence and we build self-esteem because they're keeping promises to themselves. And then we progressively overload the habit. Right? So it's about doing that over a period of time rather than going all in. And that's what we're going to get into today is about that <laughs> We've been minimalist. saying that for 45 minutes. <laughs> so we're going to get into the podcast. We're going to tell you exactly <laughs> how, but just wanted to make that point first.
0: It should be called 75 progressively harder. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't have the same ring to It's it. not the same ring. It doesn't give the same feelings. But what? 75 days is done. You stop reading a book every day. You do your workouts <laughs> indoors instead of one outdoors because yeah. it's pissing down rain. You don't actually want to walk out in the rain. Nah. And that's it. Down 75 on, 75 off. Yeah. That's nah. the way. It... Oh, I don't know. It's a good business thing, but progressively harder. I love what you said. You progressively overload a habit. Mm. The best. And people mm. are shocked. They're like, oh so i don't have to train five days a week Mm. no start with what you can do so Mm. you can feel good about yourself Mm. let's get into the science oh you're
1: gonna ask me something oh no i better not i'll get into the science um (laughs) so (laughs) i dug right into this stuff when the world went into lockdown right we all freaked out i was in comp prep at the time and i was like oh no my gains gains. like i'm gonna lose all my muscle it's gonna melt off me my glutes are gonna fade away to nothing like we (laughs) we all got a bit paranoid and worried because, you know, a lot of people were training at home and they didn't have a lot of equipment and like everything on Facebook marketplace was out of stock and sale and everything was gone. Mm. So naturally a lot of this research was, I guess, dug up and highlighted on preserving muscle mass Uh, and what the minimum effective dose was that's required to maintain muscle mass. Whether you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced, obviously there's gonna be um, different points that we'll we'll touch about and talk about. But this one article um, that stood out for me from 2011, this research paper on exercise dosing to retain resistance training adaptations in young and older adults, basically they had two groups and they separated it, like younger um, adults, which I believe was 25 to 35, um, and then older adults, which were in their 60s, 60s we're just going to chat on the um, younger age group um, for for this purpose but in their sort of like late 20s to sort of mid 30s they um, they split the group up into two um, groups trial groups one group um, and prior to this I must say they were um, resistance training and following the same training program with the same amount of volume which is to set some reps the same training program After a 16-week period, they took um, the group and they split it up into two. One group completely stopped training for 32 weeks or eight months. They completely stopped training. And then the other group, they only did one-ninth of the training volume that they were doing previously. And what this research paper showed is that the group that was doing one-ninth actually retained their muscle mass right? So they maintained where they were, whereas the group that didn't train, they lost 30% of their muscle size, which is to be expected, right? Like 30%, fair enough, eight months, it's a long period of time. So again, just to summarise that, the group that stopped training, they lost 30% of their muscle mass, whereas the group that did one ninth of the amount of work that they were doing prior, they maintained their body composition and their muscle mass where they were, which really does highlight and again I know this is one article but there is a lot of research that surrounds this concept that we really don't need to do as much as we think to maintain the muscle that we have.
0: Totally if it's built naturally in the first place. Oh yeah if you're on drugs
1: this doesn't apply. Yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's a fine print like these guys were sort of normal population they weren't at the top end of bodybuilding athletes who are enhanced in order to get abnormal uh, levels of muscle mass Mm. these were sort of your everyday people and It's nice because you don't want to have that thought where you put in all this work and then if you stop just for a little bit, you're going to go backwards. Like even when I got my boobs done, I was worried, you know, you would have had that feeling. But a lot of the time in the initial phases, you just lose the glycogen. So your muscles don't look as smaller. Yeah, Yeah, they're just sort of deflated, so to speak. But naturally as humans, we wouldn't survive as a species if – our muscles just naturally deteriorated mm-hmm. so rapidly. Like they are our big part of our life source. Yes. You know, we need it to keep going. So it's really nice that you found this and you got to just give some comfort to people that it's okay mm. if shit happens, you know, and you can't stick to your crazy routine. Mm. Your body will naturally change a little bit, but people always think, I'm gonna go back to square one. Mm. I have to start again. That's definitely not the case. And it's shown here. And we did thoroughly check this because we both have a thing with research articles. Mm. You always have to look, you know, who was it performed on? Make sure you actually read it, not just the heading and the conclusion. Try and find your sample study, how many people, um, how many variables as Mm. well. But, yeah, really good find here and
1: reassuring for people to hear. Yeah. And, like, I think with... It's so hard with fitness research as well like it's hard to find studies that include women to be honest it's a lot more common now but i think sports science research nine percent of the population was females in that research that's nine nine percent of females represented which is depressing because obviously we're different right we build muscle differently so we not differently but in terms of physiologically we're so different so it's hard to find that it's also hard to find research on a trained population um as well and obviously there's just so many variables like nutrition's a massive variable recovery is a massive variable lifestyle's a massive variable stress is a huge variable there's so many case scenarios but what we can do is look at research like this and get a general concept and it's like okay well look if you train once every two weeks Right? Like you're probably gonna do a little bit more than that. You know, if you are just gonna hit one session, but it just means like, okay, well if you're going from five days to four days, like you you can still make significant amount of progress on training three days a week. I don't know why people think that if you drop a day, you're just gonna, I don't know, lose half your quad. Like it's not gonna happen like that. (laughs) You look in the mirror straight away and go, oh no, that's different. You pay more attention, I feel. Yes, one of the most common changes that I make to training programs for women coming into our coaching is reducing training. Like it's one of the most So you get a lot things. of overachievers. A lot. A mm. lot of – it's hard. I mean you get sort of two types. You get overachievers definitely where they're overdoing it, but you get people that are trying to overachieve and doing nothing.
0: Again, yeah. they think
1: they're working really hard but they're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but that's actually reassuring because I'm like, oh, you're working really hard. You think you're working really hard. And if you think you're working hard, you are. Yeah. That's uh, what it feels like. But I more often than not will either take a training day away. So instead of training – four, five, six days a week, I'll reduce it. Or I look at their training workouts and they're doing like nine exercises, four sets of 10 each. And I'm like, junk volume everywhere, Mm. you know? And I'm like four, five exercises. And they're like, what? You know, and then, and then, yeah, like I'm often reducing and condensing. And it's just the fact of, it's not even minimalist training, it's just actually training in line with the research and in line with the amount of volume that we actually need because doing more doesn't get you more. It's not, there's a, always a curve of when we run into doing too much.
0: Yeah, what I find as well from a client standpoint, the ones that do need help mm. are the ones who aren't doing enough. And they, they are injured or they just they they have no strength behind them. Yeah. So you do have to get them into daily habits yeah. and increased movement. Or then the ones that are doing too much, they're getting injured. Yeah. There's junk volume they're rushing through yeah. because they're busy people. No tempo, not resting between sets. Exactly, they they log on, they see a huge program and go, oh God, I'm gonna be here for ages. They rush through it and yeah. it's overwhelming. Totally. And they, it's just that high achieving personality yeah. type. Rarely do I find someone that comes to me specifically um, for injury and for programming, who's nailed their middle ground. It's mm. always one extreme or the other. Mm. So it's good to know that, hey, like there is that middle ground and you will be better off for mm. it. Less chance of injury, your body will change once you apply it with the right nutrition principles as well. And and that's where you want to be. Mm. Like you need to just own up to the fact that either you're doing zero or you're doing
1: way too much. Yeah. Find your middle ground. Yeah, totally. And when we look at training volume, which again is just basically the amount of work that you're doing in the gym, like sets times reps times load, when you look at training volume it's very similar to calories right like we have a maintenance amount of training volume right you want to be able to reduce your training volume and go into a deficit to create a change but then you also want to increase your volume to be able to create change as well and what i find is people are just like constantly pushing volume and they just think they have to do more 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 all the time and more is better but it's like god like you're really just like overdoing it here and you don't need to like come back and find your middle ground your maintenance the sweet the goldilocks zone where you can make a good amount of progress, but, you know, not get injured along the way, not start to resent training, have a social life, you know, like, and make sure that this all fits around the lifestyle that you've got. And that's why I love like minimalist training. And I didn't realise this until I started doing some reading and research around it and just, I don't know, looking around at what other people do. I didn't realise that my way of programming was in line with minimalist in terms of like, oh, I just thought this is like smart training. It's like, why would I do more? If I don't have to, if I can do less and get the same or a better result, I will, (laughs) right? People call that lazy, but I just call it intelligent, right? It's like, why why would I spend two hours in the gym when I can spend one, you know, and and get more bang for my buck? That's what it's all about. So minimalist training, it doesn't have to be like a 20-minute hit circuit. It can be if you want it to be, but it can also produce like great results if it's structured and if you're progressively overloading and prioritizing the variables that we're going to touch on next but it doesn't have to be like quick 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 busy girl workouts it doesn't have to be that it can be just intelligent training hey guys if you're enjoying the episode please share it with a friend or share it on your socials and don't forget to tag us the only thing
0: with that is like and for those who question having four to five exercises, they're the ones that you know are not training hard. Yeah. Yeah. And we've all had it. Yeah. like Well, you and I have had it, definitely, where they're like, oh, is that it? Mm. And guaranteed, they didn't push Mm -hmm. because when I train with Paul, we do three or four exercises and I feel sick, I'm dead. You know, it's not about how many you're doing, but if I know that I've got a client who's a bit hesitant to push, I'm not going to just give them 3 or 4. Like mm. you give them a bit extra because I like using those extra exercises just to learn a skill mm. because I know that they're not they're still learning movement patterns. They need that. They need to learn those movement patterns because they're not actually pushing as hard as I'd like. Mm. So you can really use it as a tool, but for someone who's more of a seasoned athlete, I'm not saying like advanced. Mm. They can they can be between Like gearing away from beginner, Mm. you can give them that because you know that they might push. But you need to also, as a coach, you need to check in and get feedback on your programming and you need to watch them on their videos. Look at their face. Are they. Grimacing (laughs) a bit, like, but if they're just on the leg press, do, 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 tick, next, do,
1: do, do, tick, next. Like, mm, you just did a whole workout of warm ups.
0: Yeah, like then maybe they need a bit more. Mm. If they're not confident in something, you need to practice it more. But for top end pushing, you don't need that much. But if I have someone with shoulder impingement and they're a painter, every hour that they're at work, they need to offset their pain, okay? Mm. So they need to activate certain muscles. The frequency is high, the load is low. Mm. I don't agree with high frequency and high load and Mm. intensity. You know, what goes up must come down. So they're either doing it often at a low rate. Yeah. Or they do a big bout of hard training and then rest. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: it really depends on their goal and their confidence as well. Mm, Totally. Absolutely. I've found that personally for me and then also a lot of my clients that are sort of like, moved into that advanced I guess category the more advanced that you get I've personally found the less training volume you need because the sets and the reps that you're doing you're getting more stimulation from that because they're harder heavier sets yes whereas like you said when you're a beginner you don't know how to push hard you don't know what heavy is like everything's heavy you don't know what hard training really feels like whereas when you become like intermediate to advanced you're like that was a warm up yeah <laughs> you know so essentially maybe you're just doing more warm up sets but i've actually found like oh, it's a it's a sweet spot between going from like early intermediate to maybe advanced where you need to actually drop training volume and then they start progressing and if you don't do that i i've found personally even for myself get injured or like tissue tolerance just can't keep up with the volume and the intensity that i'm doing or you just start to lose motivation um, or you just get overtrained and you stop making progress right and There's something called like the volume curve where as we start training, like the more volume that we do to a certain point up until our optimal range, we make progress and we build muscle and strength. But once we tip over that edge and we get to that tipping point, if we keep increasing, we actually like detrain and we lose muscle and we lose progress and we stop making gains in the gym right? So it's important to find that optimal range for you. Everyone's a little bit different, but a lot of the research does gear towards that sort of 10 to 15 sets per muscle group. Now, again, this is going to be a little bit different because it's like, well, if you do a lunge, is that quads and glutes? Is that, you know, like it all crosses over. So they're just general gauges, but it's about realizing that we're all so different. We're built different, but you have to go through trial and error to find what your minimum dose is. Like I challenge people to find what they can get away with rather than the most amount. Like do the least mm-hmm. amount possible and make progress rather than trying to get away with doing as much as you can, which is what most people try and do. They take on 75 hard or they try and do five days a week and they try and do the most to get progress. It's like do the least and then put that energy into other areas like your recovery, your sleep, your nutrition, your relationships. Like that is a way more effective approach. Absolutely.
0: A lot of my back lower back pain clients mm. specifically... Come to me, and I look at their programming, and their coach has just given them way too much volume. Yeah,
1: eight sets of like heavy deadlifts. Do you find that they're beginner, or do you find that they're actually quite strong competitors? And yeah, that's I get what a I mean, lot like of competitors. People don't pick up on that range, and it's like, oh, I can't give someone that's trained twenty-eight sets of quads because they're gonna push hard. Yeah. yeah.
0: For too long. But they want to win their show. So they're mm. hungry they and they're injured. delusional. And they're hungry. Yeah. They're hungry they're yeah, and they're pissed off and they're on a mission, but they're under-recovered. And they're, they're skipping core. Yeah, they're skipping. Oh, God, they skip core. But <laughs> I look at them and I go, okay, you're just doing way too much. Yeah. But it is hard for, you know, we've been in that mindset of being competitors. You're, you're go, go, go. Mm. Get out of my way, everyone. I'm on a mission. But then when that's reinforced by a coach... Yeah, probably panicking to get the results to get them on stage and be lean enough They'll and do what it takes You know a stage coach isn't the same as a rehab coach mm. very different things So you'll do what it takes and you do eight to ten sets of heavy deadlifts eight to ten RDLs cooked. Let's get the
1: glute hams up. Oh no, one your
0: backs cooked. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's yeah I get it all the time. Yeah, but this is the difference right like I'm going to make an assumption, but like a lot of people listening to this probably are regular gym goers, right? Like, so it's about... Oh, we have a lot of competitors too. Yeah, I know. Regular gym goers. Oh,
0: I thought you meant as in they're regular people who go to the no, gym. Nah,
1: regular gym they goers. They regularly go to the gym. Competitors are regular gym goers too. You fall into the category. <laughs> um, but I mean like consistent all right Consistent. whereas like if you're if you're a little bit inconsistent right and there definitely will be people that are like they want to be able to train hard and they might go in and give it everything and all the session and that's fine the chances of them like really doing some serious damage and overtraining is not really there, right? They're probably not going to overtrain by going hard for one session. They might be really sore the next day, and not want to go back, <laughs> but they're not going to overtrain. But if you take someone like you said that is disciplined and will do the work, and maybe is consistent four days plus a week, etc., and you give them like you said, like <laughs> I don't even know what that workout was. sounds horrible. Yeah, eight to a ten lot of sets of bloody hip extension in a workout. Like their back, their tissue tolerance is going to be the weak link. Exactly. You know, it's not necessarily going to be their muscles. It's going to be like the connective tissue, the ligaments, the joints, like the nervous system. I'm exhausted thinking about that, but I've definitely been in that situation, right? hundred percent. I've been in that situation where I even look back now at some of the training programs that I was given by previous coaches. Some great. Some like I learned what not to do, Mm -hmm. but I look at that and I'm like, damn, that's a lot of volume. Do you know what I mean? Like I've been given German volume training in the past. Oh yeah. 10 sets of 10. Yep in peak week, <laughs> I'm laughing at it now, but like I've had multiple back injuries um, in the past that did make me question a lot of what I was doing, right? And I was just doing what I was told, like you said, just following advice and what was out there. And right, a lot of bodybuilding stuff is pretty hit and miss too, in terms of if that's where you're going for your research, like this is not a bodybuilding researcher, no, you know? it's a, I don't trust any of no. that.
0: Your best research is Sports like science. tuning into your
1: body. And, uh,
0: yeah, like you are your best research because research costs millions of dollars to get yeah. published. It takes years. Yeah. Why would you come away from your career and spend all of your time getting a paper published when, yeah. you know, all the re- the best research is already there. Mm. There is very minimal chance of getting good new research. And I know find it. it is flawed at university, because you can only um, reference the past 10 years, but yeah. so I think that that is not correct. Well,
1: 2011 this is from, like I know but that. But we're
0: not in uni, and I'm yeah. not your teacher marking you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I swear it's peer review.
1: <laughs> God. But
0: you know what I mean? Like yeah. my teachers used to say, no, it could only be the past 10 years. I but had it's seven. Like,
1: we were only allowed to use the first seven. Even seven. worse,
0: Yeah. Way because worse. anatomy doesn't change. You know, humans haven't evolved dramatically in the past since the 80s, 70s, 60s. You know, mm. old research is great research. So, mm. yeah, don't get caught up in the latest research because yeah. you can literally bias anything. Yeah, if you, you can manipulate the sample study, you can manipulate the wording. You yeah. can make it sound so complicated that people get um, disengaged and they just mm. read the heading and the conclusion. It's like the research paper on muscle activation not working. Mm. Well, as part of the warm-up, there was a research paper that came out saying glute activation didn't change anything in the two populations. Well, actually, the population, the warm-up was walking, mm. which is glute activation. Mm. And it's like then all the people, the keyboard warriors came out saying, Oh, this one paper said that this didn't work. It's like, none of you knew how to read that probably in the first place, guys. Yeah. Just actually get in the gym, yep. look at your body, mm. feel your body. Don't worry about this paper that mm. is flawed yep. just because it was made
1: last year. Yep. You know what I mean? Where a lot of people go wrong, and even a lot of research will actually do this at the start, will define key terms. Like what does activation mean? like a lot of good research papers will usually define what that sort of means to them because even if i say minimalist like that could mean something different to someone of what i'm talking about like i'm saying like i'm like oh like a minimalist approach to training but some people might think that's one day a week or i don't know you we know just I mean? made like, that up yeah made it up so like defining key terms is really important because a lot of people define things in different ways like as well so what i say is high volume might not be high for exactly. someone else so it's always about making sure your definition aligns it's okay if it doesn't but just knowing that that's also a key variable when you're looking at things as well and not just taking everything from face value of like what the, you know, the infographic says or what your favourite, you know, coach says as well. Like question everything, question me. Like don't take anything on face value. It's important for you to absorb information and make your own conclusions. Yes,
0: 100%. But Mm. one of the most important things with the minimalist training, oh, it is a tongue twister. (laughs) Minimalism, (laughs) minimalist training. Yep is it allows you time for rest and recovery. Yeah, we're training, we're breaking down our tissues. We need to give them space and nutrients to actually rebuild stronger mm. because that's what muscle building is. We have a stress on our body and our muscles. It breaks down and the tissues go, "Ooh, that was hard. Mm. I better rebuild stronger so that doesn't happen again." And then we get stronger and our muscles get bigger and our motor patterns get more refined. You know mm. that's what it is. But People constantly break down, break down, break down. And then mm. they wonder why, why they're burnt and they out. 1200, they're seen calories as and 1200 calories. That's more stress on the body. There's no nutrients for that rebuilding phase. Add some running in. Add running, <laughs> you know. it's They're just adding more things that break you down and not enough that builds you up. Yep. How many days a week are you training at
1: the moment? Like at roughly. the
0: moment, I do four hard days mm. and then one skill based unilateral day because I love going in the gym. Yep but I also love not going in the gym. Yep. I have time for life. Mm. You you just save so much time and energy not going into the gym. Yep. You know what I mean? So totally. yeah, I've always, I've only ever been at six maybe when I had higher cardio for comp prep. Yep. And then the rest has been around four to five. Yep. I love that. Yep. Sweet spot. Yeah. Is mm. that, what was yours, four?
1: Yeah, I think most of the time, like most of my training is four days. Oh, I don't think I'd ever do more than four lifting for me personally. Um, I would do some cardio or something like that and, and that would, you know, but four lifting sessions is a, is like a maintenance for me. I'm actually doing three days at the moment, which is nice. So I guess this falls into minimalist style training, um, but this time of the year december january i usually drop down and do three days of full body i just find that with travel and like everything as well like lots of social events christmas new year's etc it's just a nice time for me to give my body like an extended deload um Mm. if that makes sense but you can still make a lot of progress right and i still train hard on those three days of full body but it definitely and when i was doing the reading for this like the, f- the full body sort of three-day approach that I like to gravitate towards like would 100% fall into what people would classify as like a minimalist style training but it doesn't mean that I don't make progress and I think so many people are surprised when it's like oh yeah I train three four days a week they're like oh like I just thought you know your fitness coach you do every day go hard go home it's like no like we don't you don't have to you you can choose to but so many people are scared of like dropping a training day yeah like, it is scary worried about it hmm but until you do it, like, and realise, like, again, if, if it takes one-ninth to maintain your, your muscle mass, like, if you even do half of that, you're probably going to build muscle. So, like, you can still make a hell of a lot of progress training three days a week. And I think a lot of people would drop to three days a week and maybe go for a walk on a fourth day, et cetera, if they knew that they could make progress. Yeah. But you mentioned at the start that, oh, I don't know why people, like, thought that they had to do this. It's just all because of social influence. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like five days, like three legs and two upper body used to be like gold standard fitness industry it's like if you're not training three lower body and two upper split like what are you doing whereas mm. now it's completely shifted and i see more people doing four days than what i ever have before i don't know if that's a trend that you're seeing but i just feel like everything catches waves like everything trends and comes in circles it depends well we used to hang around a lot of bodybuilders yeah. that's what we
0: started right so it was more 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 but i'm a big believer in daily movement mm, whether totally. it be a light walk you know activation few mobility every day we need to offset our poor patterns as humans mm. we sit down too much or we're on our feet too much we need to offset that mm. getting outside it's good for the mind but then actual hard training days you don't need to do more than that mm. but I, I do think that we do need activity every day yep. and i was watching a documentary on netflix i was telling you where they interviewed um centurions. so they live 100 plus Mm. the one of the most common factors were they walk everywhere yeah you know the terrains in sardinia are hilly so they get a lot of and they don't have cancer in that that's what i mean yeah they don't get cancer they don't get diseases heart disease like obviously some less alzheimer's Mm. yes nutrition is a big part of it but for the training Point of today's training podcast, incidental activity. They're not sitting for a prolonged period of time. In Asian cultures, they sit on the floor or they're squatting down, yeah. you know. We, as a society, we just sit down way too much. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I find it hard to preach excessive time sitting still. Mm-hmm. So I reckon everyone needs to go on a walk every day. I don't care, like mm. long, short, just get out there, get moving, challenge yourself. They do say, Take the stairs instead of the escalator. Like, mm. I'm a big believer in that Me because, too. you know, our, you know, type A personality people go, oh, what would that do? That's nothing. I just deadlifted a one RM. What's taking the stairs going to do? But it all adds mm. up. We need to remember that the longest living people in the world aren't doing heavyweight training. No, they're not.
1: They're just regularly moving yep. all the time at a low pace. Yep. If you wanna live the longest and actually prioritize health, you only need 60 minutes of resistance training a week and the rest goes cardio. Like they've actually shown that. You don't need to do a hell of a lot of weightlifting. Obviously, if your goals are a little bit different, like ours, you wanna build muscle, build strength, um, and you enjoy training, like you can do more. But knowing what you need to do, like you said, if longevity is the goal, and it will be for a lot of people listening to this, like again, minimize things like you don't have to do so much and getting outdoors and getting some sunlight and you know physical health but mental health too cardiovascular health those things are way more important than having as most like the most amount of muscle mass possible 100 percent. i mean like bodybuilding as a sport look at it there's a lot of people that do die because of it yeah it's not healthy it's not healthy (laughs) so like we do want to be able to like give you the the minimum effective dose of resistance training so that you can of course you know work towards your health goals but then your physical um physique goals too but then get the other things in that are just such so important like for overall health as well like i think the big concept is like you don't have to kill yourself to get a result and we learn this lesson the hard way like i don't know if you've had to learn this but Oh, we got our result, though. We turned pro. That's what we wanted to do. Done. I'm out. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Ended on a high note. I haven't competed since and I never will. See you later. (laughs) First place. Never again. But that's, you know, if you're a top-end bodybuilder, top-end athlete, you're a powerlifter, you know, you you play sport, Mm. you have to practice your skill every day. Every day. But we're just talking to regular gym girls, as you said, and people who over the Christmas, New Year's period are overwhelmed. They've got half an hour, yeah. so full body training is great. Mm. But then another one that we want to discuss is focus on your compound movements. Yep. Get the most bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Obviously, do your warm up and everything because you never should cut out the first part of the training session, the warm ups, pre training, because then that will um, that will affect the rest of your training mm. session you're better off actually getting your body ready performing well for one to two exercises mm. than doing four exercises but you injure yourself yep. or you're not as strong cuz you skip the warm up yeah so do your warm up and everything Compound exercises, you burn the most energy, you use the most muscle, mm-hmm. you know, I love starting on that if I'm
1: time poor. Yep, totally, like is sk- skip skip, some of the smaller um, isolated stuff. Skip your biceps, oh, just for one. Why not? There's nothing more <laughs> motivating than, you know, two sets of 20 on biceps oh, at the yeah. End. But yeah, if you're short on time, and I say this to a lot of clients too, if you're short on time, get your compounds in, you know, get your entree in, get your main in, just <laughs> skip dessert that's okay skip dessert if you need to i mean like (laughs) a lot of people probably don't want to but yeah like prioritize the main lifts and don't sell yourself short like still take your time to warm up properly get your heavy sets in rest properly between it like don't rush through your workout that's the last thing you want to do because you get the most stimulus from the first one to three sets genuinely right so like get those in um and then just skip the other stuff right like you'd rather have like a couple of good exercises that you spend 30 minutes doing sometimes it takes me 30 minutes to get through my (laughs) a series The compound exactly yeah that's it but that's the most and if if that's all i had time for and that's all i got done i'd be happy because i know that that's going to give me the most bang for my buck right and that's minimalist training too and i think a big problem that i see a lot of people doing with their programming is they try to focus on everything all at once
0: like, impossible. if see,
1: they want to build up their back and they want to build their glutes and their quads on oh, some calves, and then I want to do this, I don't want to do that. It's like you can have like exercises in, but your volume and your focus points should be prioritized. Like, yeah. even exercise order, exercise selection, like, prioritize. If your goal is to build your glutes up, prioritize that and maybe put your quads on maintenance. You know, you just can't work on everything all at once. It's actually a good recipe for getting injured if yep. you wanna do that because that's when we start getting overtrained and we're not allowing other muscle groups to fully recover between our training sessions by doing that. Exactly, totally agree. And mm. some other time-saving principles for
0: those who, yeah, cause we want you guys to stay in the gym rather than just getting overwhelmed and not going at all. So these principles we wouldn't recommend to everyone, but just if you're short, short on, on time, time, half an hour, Circuit training, it's okay. Mm. You feel good, you might be on holiday somewhere, you just wanna bust out a little bit of a whole body circuit. You go one to the next to the next. Mm. That's fine, I don't mind that. And I used to do that when I was super busy mm.
1: as well. Yeah, um, you know what I do with that? If I'm short on time, I actually, and again, I wouldn't recommend this all the time, but if I'm really short on time, I've only got like half an hour and I'm like, you know what, I I'm, I know I'm not gonna get a training session in tomorrow and I didn't wanna have one. You know, you're in those periods, especially when you're traveling, I will turn my workout into like a conditioning based workout rather than getting really heavy sets of a leg press. I might reduce the rest period and make it only like 30 to 60 seconds and have that in a superset or in a circuit and get the exercises in, stimulate the muscles. But if I know I'm not going to have time to get my entree in and the main with all the rest periods and prioritise the warm-ups. The last thing you want to do is feel rushed in your workout because that's when we get injured, right? It's when we're <laughs> rushing through and we're busy. So I often, exactly like a circuit training, I'll turn my workout into a conditioning um, focus because you don't have to spend so much time warming up or loading up weights.
0: And it feels good because you feel good. like you've got a bit of everything, you know, end on the kettlebells or
1: end on mm. a bike or something. Yep. And you get That's the burn good. and the pump and a little bit of you sweat. So of you sort of stuff. get the mental component rather than feel like you've done one heavy set and you've got to go home.
0: Exactly. And you don't want to piss off
1: whoever you're on holiday with saying,
0: we're on yeah. holiday and you're spending two hours in the gym. We're meant to go climb this mountain, you know. Yeah, and it's actually a good
1: stimulus because I ne- I rarely like I might do a conditioning block once a year. <laughs> it's fucking hard. You when were you sick do that. last time. I used it. to vomit every <laughs> time I'd do conditioning. I'd vomit my first session. <laughs> so as long as you don't do that, yeah. like again, go, like uh, sometimes I'd go too hard in conditioning. But if you're actually changing a different stimulus and you don't do that often, it can be really effective because you're not your body's not conditioned to do that.
0: Yeah, and I think one more before we wrap it up, I love utilising the same equipment. And this is good for gym-anxious people as well. Like, try and do a whole workout in one section of the gym. Saves mm. time. Like, we got this sick new Cybex cable machine. I just did my whole workout on it. Mm. No one else, obviously, love was them. waiting for love it. Them. If someone was there yep. waiting and I've just spent 40 minutes, you know, you don't want to be that person. But it was a quiet time in the gym. I started on one. Totally. Did two. You know, yep. I'm like, you know what? just going to do my whole workout on this one piece of equipment totally in and out no one
1: even knew i was in there it was the best yep absolutely i brought a cable station in um lockdown and then we went out of lockdown i was like great we bought it off someone who bought it in lockdown like thank you (laughs) but honestly like if i was going to train from home the only things i'd buy would be a cable station and probably a barbell and plates like you can do so much on a cable station and whatever you can't do you can do on a squat rack um but yeah you can do heaps of stuff and i think swapping out exercises is one of the best ways to save time yeah of course you want to be consistent with what you're doing and programming but i actually did this yesterday when i, d- I knew i didn't have time to do all my warm-up sets for my RDLs and like once you get strong on things you're like fucking hell I gotta do four warm-up sets to get to my working one exactly it's a lot so if you don't have time you can swap things out and like made a little feature in the app where you can just like swap exercises and pick ones that train similar muscle groups or movement patterns but like simply swapping an RDL to like a seated leg curl which is a really effective exercise like when you you know seated leg curls are great um same stimulus right just half the amount of time because I don't have to load up so much. And arguably, warm-up set, warm up sets where you're doing lighter weights and not the heaviest as possible, probably aren't stimulating the muscle uh, in the most effective way for growth. So you've got to like weigh things up, whether you've got time to do that or you want to swap exercises out for that session to make sure that you can get in, get the stimulus that you want and then get out on time.
0: Yeah. So when you do have more time in the gym, like spend time learning new skills like Mm. kettlebells you can do a whole kettlebell workout but you're not going to spend that half an hour that you have under a time pressure learning new movements so i think it's important for everyone to go in have a play around Mm. try everything lightly when you can and then just add more tools to your tool belt for the moments you do need it and you do need to be flexible and Mm. go okay i've only got a cable machine here and half an hour let's go we're on in and out so It's fun. I mean, you can't always get away with training with a time-saving principle. No. I mean, we've sort of separated minimalism with intent versus holiday fluff training. But you're
1: still better off doing the holiday fluff training than, like, sitting on your ass the whole time. Totally. Totally. And a lot of the time, like you said, it's not always just about building muscle. It's like I'm practicing keeping consistency and I'm practicing not going all in. You know, I'm practicing being okay with something that's semi optimal you know and i think yeah. that's important because yeah. again you can get trapped in like well if it's not perfect and if it's not 10 a.m on a wednesday i don't train legs you know the word optimal <laughs> triggers oh, me now it's been i mean like it is being butchered we've spent like everyone's been optimizing everything for our entire life it's just like they've turned it again like activation into a into dirty a word it's like you wrecked it they are all cooked great <laughs> but <laughs> this is not optimal it has to be 31 degrees shut not up 29 yeah, yeah. exactly but honestly like there's optimal and there's practical and look it's great sometimes if you want to make and I I actually do (laughs) like playing around with new exercises and testing new things out and and getting a really solid setup where I can just you know feel the muscle that's okay but like is that practical all the time no do I want to become debilitized by not being able to optimize Absolutely not. So (laughs) as coaches, we have to be careful with our language because that can provoke that all or nothing where people are like, fuck, I thought I was doing the right thing and now I'm like doing a 45. It's gonna take half an hour to set that up. (laughs) My workout's
0: gone. (laughs) 500 bands,
1: 20 benches for one exercise. Totally, (laughs) so like like I said, the minimalist stuff, if you can get away with doing less and still make good amount of progress or more, 100% you should, the same with exercise selection right? Like the basics win. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. all always fancy stuff. But if you are not really strong, like double body weight, sort of maybe not double body weight, but if you're not <laughs> like, if you can't squat your body weight yeah, or body like weight. deadlift your body weight, shoulder press, quarter of your body weight. <laughs> if you can't push those heavy compound lifts hard, don't worry about the fluff. Literally. Do you know what I mean? Like build a base amount of strength. That's how we earn the right to optimise is when we're really strong at base level stuff. Because... Like it doesn't matter how optimised an exercise is if your training intensity sucks, like exactly. it just doesn't. So you've got to build foundational strength first. Yeah. And I just think that's that's a step that a lot of people skip. They go straight to optimising, straight to all the fancy setups. And they can be really great for people that are more intermediate and advanced where maybe getting stronger is like, counterintuitive to what their goals are like maybe they need to optimize setups and ranges of motion and different things to get more out of less if that makes sense rather than just going heavier and heavier and heavier because that can beat you up but most people just need to get strong at the basics keep it simple and stick to a minimum effective dose because your body will change and you will get results by always honoring
0: the basics yep you don't have to just build up one percent of your delt for a bodybuilding show or like that part of your quad it's all Mm. those people that have earned the right for all those crazy angles and weird exercises, because like they've brought a package to the stage where they need a smaller waist, bigger glute, bigger shoulders without biceps, like it's a puzzle piece, but for everyone else, like 90% of people, you have to get over
1: yourselves guys. We all need basics all the time. Totally. A lot of those top level bikini pros as well. That's who I was thinking of. They walk around for a lot of injuries though. Hell yeah, they're our clients. (laughs) (laughs) They're our clients. (laughs) I just don't know if we should be giving that sort of training advice and programming to the general public. No, that's
0: what I mean. They shouldn't. But they're the ones
1: that look the best and appeal so they sell and yeah, like more people should know that like their backs are cooked. Cooked. (laughs) Absolutely cooked. Cooked So, you know, it's about and, and sometimes that's what the sport requires. You know, they have to load differently and like detrain stuff and all these poor bikini pros are having to, you know, run to lose muscle. Like it's 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 crazy out there, but you've just got to be mindful of like you, unless you've got the same goals, you probably shouldn't be training the same way. Yeah. Let's yep. wrap it up, hey. So Yeah. Well, that's all from us. Thanks for tuning in, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Minimum effective dose, but in all seriousness, um, yeah, try reducing things. You know, if you're feeling really tired or if you're on a holiday, or if you like wanna have a week off in here and there and you're Mm. really consistent, like it's not gonna kill your progress. In fact, sometimes it's the best thing that you can do um, for your mental progress too, to make sure that you're not getting burnt out in the gym mentally and you're feeling like you can have a little bit of a break.
0: Yeah, so less is more. if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a five-star review and hit follow so you can stay up to date with our weekly podcast